Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. This is Pastor Josh. Thank you for tuning in. I am so glad to be with you here for these next few minutes. I want you to find victory and life in Jesus Christ. At Valley View Friends Church, we like to say that we are learning how to live as God's people by reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. I want to encourage you to look us up on the web at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. You can also look us up on Facebook as well. And please subscribe to always make sure you get the next episode of the podcast. Well, today we're going to continue our series in the book of Ruth, and the theme for this year is holy, and Ruth has a lot to say about holiness, the holiness of the decisions that we make. So, let's turn our attention to this week's message. Here's a quote for you. It does not take great men to do great things. It only takes consecrated men. It is easy to believe that only the exceptional people accomplish great works in our world or great works for God. We believe that fame or the extraordinary success that we see are from those who are touched with greatness. While there may be some highly talented or winsome people who achieve success, the great majority of people who are able to make their mark on the world are those who are utterly devoted to their cause. Plato wrote the first sentence of his famous Republic nine different ways before he was satisfied. Cicero practiced speaking before friends every day for 30 years to perfect his elocution. Noah Webster labored for 36 years writing his dictionary, crossing the Atlantic twice to gather material. Milton rose at 4 a.m. every day in order to have enough hours for his paradise lost. Gibbon spent 26 years on his decline and fall of the Roman Empire and Bryant, wrote one of his poetic masterpieces 99 times before publications, and it has become a classic. Devotion is a powerful, refining force, and this devotion is true for Christians as well. It's easy when we read the Bible to think that of the men and women we find there, that they're larger than life, that they're uniquely gifted, that they're beyond our reach. We can't be like them. And that's why I like the book of Ruth. When you step back and look at Ruth and look at her mother-in-law and later we'll see Boaz, you find that these people are very ordinary. They're not prophets. They're not miracle workers. They're not people of power for the most part. They're ordinary. But they are also devoted to God. I want to remind you of, uh, I mentioned last week, of our theme for the series of Ruth. So, there's an overarching theme, and then each day we're going to look at something more specific. But the overarching, overarching theme of Ruth is holy decisions, because Ruth has a lot to say about what it means to be ordinary people who make extraordinary decisions that change the course of their lives, their families, their nation, and ultimately the world. So, do not discount the holy power of your decisions. So, that's the big idea. Your decisions are holy, and they have the power to welcome the hand of God or the hardship of sin into your world. One of the great qualities behind the holy decisions we encounter in the book of Ruth is that Ruth and Boaz are completely devoted to God. And that devotion provides focus for their decision. And that devotion overshadows the fears they feel. And devotion allows them to step out in faith in ways that change their lives and the world. So, today we're going to look at devotion. And devotion says, never give up. 
In our case, it says, never give up on God and who he says that you are. So, as we read the text, I want you to listen for each character's level of devotion. Because we have three characters we're going to look at today, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. And you will hear devotion in all of their stories. But you also hear about devotion without hope, and you'll hear about devotion that's traded for pleasantness. So, let's read the text. It's in Ruth chapter 1, verses 7 through 22, and it goes like this. With her two daughters-in-law, Naomi, left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We'll go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am, am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So we have three women and three portraits of devotion. All three ladies in our text today give us glimpses of what devotion can look like. Ruth's devotion is total and what you and I should seek to emulate. But Naomi and Orpah also give us food for thought when it comes to devotion. So let's talk about each one of them a little bit today. Naomi uh, gives us an example of devotion without hope. Now, don't get me wrong. Naomi does show exceptional faith in the book of Ruth, but that devotion starts very small and it grows through the course of the book of Ruth. See, Naomi, she hears that God has brought food back to Israel. The famine has ended. And so she decides, you know what? I want to be where God is. Let's leave Moab and go back to Bethlehem. She wants to be where God is at work. That's devotion. But there's a problem. 
As much as she believes in God's providence, as much as she believes in his provision, she does not believe that God will bring hope to her future. In fact, she believes quite the opposite, that God has made her future bitter, that he does not have good in store for her, but judgment in store for her. And that's why we read about Naomi trying to send her daughters back to Moab, her daughters-in-law back to Moab. She does not see a future that is good for herself. And by staying with her, Ruth and Orpah are signing up for the same future of widowhood and loneliness and powerlessness. Naomi knows that she will not have more sons. She knows she's too old now for another husband. But by trying to send away her daughters-in-law, she is self-inflicting loneliness onto herself and committing into a future without hope. Naomi even changes her name from a name that means pleasant, that's Naomi, to Mara, which means bitter. So Naomi, she's willing to go to God. But she doesn't believe in hope. I want to encourage you to go to God, but please go with hope for your future. Now, here's the good news. Naomi's devotion is enough. Even though it's a devotion without hope, it's enough. Because God is able to work with what she gives him. And that is so good. Because sometimes... All we can do is say, Lord, I can't see a future. I can't see how good's going to come from this, but I'm going to be with you, Lord. I'm going to follow you. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm there. And that's enough. God is able to work with that. And he works with Naomi. He's going to bring hope back into her life. And it's hinted at at the very end of the chapter. It's time for the barley harvest. There's food and there's plenty. There's good on the horizon. And this barley harvest is going to change Naomi's life in ways she can't even imagine yet. Perhaps you are in a place where your hope has dwindled. I challenge you. Give your devotion to God. Even if you can't see hope, give your devotion to God and see what he can do. Let's go to Orpah now. And I would argue that she has traded away devotion and in its place, put down pleasantness. Now, follow along with me here. On the journey to Bethlehem, Naomi has a very vigorous conversation with Ruth and Ruth's sister, Orpah. Okay? Now, both of them want to go with Naomi. And of Orpah is eventually convinced to go back to Moab. And in case you're wondering, okay, <laughs> as I always wondered this when I was younger, Yes, Orpah is where Oprah gets her name. Yeah, when Oprah was born, her Aunt Ida named her Orpah after a character in the Bible, the one we read about today. Uh, in 2008, Oprah Winfrey explained that her family was unfamiliar with the name and pronounced it and spelled it Oprah instead of Orpah. And so it stuck. But her birth certificate does say Orpah. Well, now you know. Yeah, they're connected. But let's go back to Orpah and our story. And she is devoted to Naomi. She wants to follow her, but eventually she turns back to Moab. Her devotion is actually divided. She wants to remain with her mother-in-law, but she also wants what seems sensible and practical, what looks like it will be a good decision. 
She wants the prospects of a good future, and who can blame her for this? And I think it's worth noting that the biblical text does not actually condemn her for her decision, though we see that Ruth makes the better and the good choice. Ultimately, Orpah trades devotion for pleasantness. She bids Naomi farewell with a kiss. It's a nice gesture, but this niceness cannot transform anyone's future. Beware that you do not mistake pleasantness for devotion. There are a lot of people that will stand before the Lord at the end of time, and they'll say, well, I was nice about God. I was nice about church. I, I, I was polite. But that's not the same as being devoted to Jesus, to the Lord. This pleasantness allows Orpah to be devoted to herself. She puts herself first because she's nice to others. She follows what looks practical and sensible. It's not a bad decision, but not at all holy or exceptional. And our decisions need to be holy. Then there's Ruth. She shows us complete devotion. I want to read her declaration of devotion again. It's probably one of the most powerful parts of the book of Ruth, this declaration of her devotion to God. It starts as a declaration of devotion to Naomi, but you can see in it that it, it shifts at some point to God. And that's where real devotion comes from. When you're devoted to God first, then you can really give your best to others. There in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, we see these words, But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. Her devotion is total. I mean, she uses these words, where you go, I will go. I mean, it's not just saying, that's not just Ruth saying, I, I want to be where you are. She's saying, I will follow you, Naomi, anywhere. I'll leave my homeland. And you know what? It is not easy to leave what we are comfortable with and where what we know. But she's willing. And then Ruth says, where you stay, I will stay. She's going to stay in Bethlehem. I need to remind you, she's a Moabite. She's a, if she lives in Bethlehem, she will become the foreigner, the outsider. She'll be that Moabite woman that everybody will be suspicious of. She's going to have to deal with that. But one step beyond that, she says, your people, they'll be my people. So Ruth is willing to accept and become a part of a people that are, will be prejudiced against her. She's willing to take on their heritage and discard her own. And that is so counter what our world says. Our culture demands that we take pride in our personal heritage. But Ruth says, you know what? I will take on the heritage of your people, Naomi. And then comes the big turn in her devotion. She says, your God will be my God. This is the part of her devotion that holds the key to real power and transformation in her life. She's, she's, devoted to Naomi, but not just Naomi. She's devoted to God. And she will not be divided in any way in that devotion. 
She will not be a Moabite forever in Israel. She will not live with one foot in her old home and one in a new. She will not follow what looks good to her, but she will do what God says is good. She's devoted. But then, Ruth takes her devotion one step further, and she says, Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. This is totally unexpected. You know, in our culture, you know, when we think of a marriage, wedding vows, you know, we think of that that devotion of of the husband and wife together. And then there's this phrase in the wedding vows that we know so well, until death do us part. But Ruth is saying, not even death will stop my devotion. That is the depth. That is the level of her devotion. And that is how the nature of her relationship of God will be. Her devotion is total. Death is not even going to get in the way of this devotion. Yet, for us, it is easy to try to give partial devotion to God. Lord, I'll give you all I can. But do you really? Maybe you say, you know, I give God a lot. But is it total? Vance Havner writes this example about marriage, and I think it's something we can hear about with our relationship to God. He says, a husband or wife who is faithful 95% of the time to their spouse is not faithful at all. You want them to be 100% faithful, right? And there is no such thing as part-time loyalty to Jesus Christ. So, where do you stand today? Which of the three ladies do you feel most like? Hopefully, you will decide to have a total devotion like Ruth. But real quickly, I just want to touch on a couple ideas about what devotion does. Because devotion forces you to focus. There's a story of a woman who rushed up to the famed violinist Fritz Kreisler after a concert and cried, I'd give my life to play as beautifully as you do. And Kreisler replied, I did. He gave his life devoted his life to learning that instrument. Devotion demands that you prioritize everything around you. Everything that you do is going to be now focused on God. And so when you're devoted and then that devotion focuses you, it's going to move you away from asking, does this work for me? To am I doing my part? whether that's training to play an instrument, whether that's doing a job, whether that's serving your family. And in this case, devotion to God, you'll be moving from, does this work for me or am I doing my part? And so we'll change our question from, what is God doing for me? Which he does many good things. To asking ourselves, what is God asking of me? That's a totally different position, isn't it? Something else about devotion when it's total, it removes a lot of fear in a relationship. And that's good because there's a limit to how deep a relationship can go if it has fear in it. If you're always testing to see if the relationship will fall apart, if you're testing to see how it will fail, you can't go very deep. You only go as deep as you're looking for those fail points. The strongest marriages are the ones that are based on mutual faith in Jesus and devotion to the covenant of marriage. When you put those two things together, fear can be removed. 
Because instead of fear of losing the one you love because they're no longer satisfied with you, you can walk more deeply into relationship with confidence. They care about me. They're in this. Instead of wondering if your spouse thinks you're silly or a failure, you can walk in confidence that they are for you no matter what. Devotion removes fear and allows for a deeper relationship. And this works with our relationship with God only much better. The promises we have from God and His devotion to us is far better than any devotion that can be between people. He will never abandon you. He will never betray you. He will never belittle you. You can be confident instead of fearful in your relationship with Him. So, we've talked a bit about devotion today. Will you be devoted to Jesus? At a meeting of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Bobby Richardson, a former New York Yankee second baseman, offered a prayer that is now a classic in brevity and poignancy. And his words were simply this, Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. That sort of prayer shows devotion and it will transform your world. Your will, nothing more nothing less, and nothing else. Can you say that? Can you pray that? Lord, we are people who live in a land of many demands. We try to please others. We try to find satisfaction in many places. But Lord, you have asked that each of us would be devoted to you. So help us to do this. Lord, I pray that you would show each of us something in our lives that is trying to get our detention, trying to get our devotion in place of you. Help us to surrender that to you. I pray for the person who's listening right now who maybe feels insignificant or hopeless. Show them the extraordinary life that you have for them, the love that you have for them, so that they would see clearly the confidence they can have in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.